welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Thanks again for joining me once again today. It's a Tuesday morning, in my case, anyway. And, well, Minnesota Vikings' chances of making the playoffs are less, but I suppose they're still alive because the rest of the NFC isn't doing so hot either. Uh, well, here we are. Um, you saw an offense that didn't exist for the second straight week, an offense that struggled all season, a quarterback that's driving everybody crazy. Well, we might as well have called it a shutout, but the Minnesota Vikings wind up scoring seven points late in the game just because the Seattle Seahawks defeat the Minnesota Vikings 21-7 to in Seattle, Washington. And this is a game where you're just left like, okay, what the hell was that? What the bleep was that? What the bleep? What the hell? And that's basically all it is. Uh, I'm going to call the title of this show the Emerald Curtain. The Emerald Curtain. Because, you know, the Steel Curtain, the Pittsburgh Steelers, like one of the great defenses ever. Last year, or last week, pardon me, we made a mediocre to decent Patriots defense look like the 85 Bears. We made another uh, depleted, not the same defense. You know, the Legion of Boom is gone. It's the Legion of Doom now. They're they're long gone. Uh, it's definitely a Legion of Doom in San Francisco, but let's stay off of that guy. Ugh. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, nothing really to laugh about. That was more of a frustrated, sad chuckle at this point. Um, this offense sucks, and everybody saw that. Everybody that witnessed this game could come out and say that. Where do we begin? I don't know. It's just it's just a bunch of carnage. And, you know, the Vikings could have won this game like a million times, just like always. And, yes, a lot of you like to blame the refs and everything. And, Yes, there were some bad calls, there was this and that, but, you know, welcome to the NFL, you're going to get bad calls. But the Vikings were in this game the entire way, until, like, things kind of unraveled at the end, and whatever. And then, yay, we scored a touchdown with a minute and ten left in the game. Yay. No creativity in this offense. A quarterback that constantly misses, constantly is making excuses, constantly is deflecting any type of responsibility. I'm already sick and tired of Kirk Cousins. Did I say that on this show? Purple Mafia, the host of Purple Mafia, just said he's already sick and tired of Kirk Cousins. I did. I said it. I'm already sick and tired of Kirk Cousins. This looks like a mistake to me. It does. I'm sorry. It does. Okay, you got the arm strength. You got the pretty face. You got the million-dollar smile. And you make excuses like, yeah. You make excuses like Dennis Green, basically. Oh, that was the past. We're not going to talk about that. No, that was the past. Yeah, well, I'm glad it's the past. Then fix it. Or the other guy. The other guy. That other one that used to wear number seven on the Vikings that used to say uh, all these mistakes are easily correctable. Then correct them. And then you get this guy who basically deflects everything and just says, well, they're double teamed the whole night. Oh, well, it's out of my control. If You know, if, if I'm fumbling the ball, it's out of my control because the line didn't protect me enough. You know what? The offensive line sucks. And yes, that's on the general manager. That's on the direction and the approach of this head coach as well, because it's just all defense, no offense at this point. And then the hiring of this coordinator named John D. Filippo, who I refuse to call Flip. Just just call him by his name. Don't call him Flip. And you know what? Flip Saunders wasn't exactly, you know, John Wooden or Phil Jackson or Pat Riley, but he was a decent coach and all that. That's, of course, the, uh, the late Flip Saunders, God rest his soul, Minnesota Timberwolves. Especially, he was a much better president of basketball operations than a coach, as far as I'm concerned. He was a hell of a president of basketball. 
hell of a president of basketball. Oh, man. And we would we could sure use a Flip Saunders as a president of football operations right now because, you know, Spielman, his hit on stuff, you know, he's the Kirk Cousins of general managers, isn't he? He'll hit on some stuff and you'll be like, wow, Xavier Rhodes, that's awesome. Huh, that's a nice draft pick. Okay, Pat Elfline, that's good. And then you get miss after miss after miss after miss after miss. And it's just like Jiminy Christmas. And then the approach as well is just maddening beyond belief. Like going back to the Dennis Green days. You need a pass-rushing defensive end, you take a wide receiver. You need a pass-rushing defensive end, you take a guard that you don't need and you'll never play because back then we actually had an offensive line. You need a <laughs> you need a pass-rushing defensive end and you take, a, you take a tight end. You know, it's just, that's basically Dennis Green's approach forever. And then this one, it just takes the cake. I mean, it's just, here we go again. We need another cornerback. And you know what? He was a valuable guy, Mike Hughes. But he wasn't an immediate need. He was helpful, and we could sure use him. Unfortunately, the injury is not Mike Zimmer's fault, not uh, Mr. Rick Spielman's fault. But Jeff Daniels was sitting there, among others, this and that. And I know it's not their fault that a million guys were taken after that, but Jeff Daniels was sitting right there. We could sure use him, and he's sure helping the Chicago Bears right now. They've got two running backs that are dominating, and they're going to win the NFC North, basically standing still at this point after what they accomplished. We'll talk about that in segment number two. But you just sit here and analyze the situation for the Minnesota Vikings, and there's no way you're going to be happy. You have a coordinator that's not creative, and if he is creative, we're not seeing it. You have a coach in Mike Zimmer that I officially, here it is, on December 11th, 2018, I am officially starting to doubt Mike Zimmer. Oh my God! What kind of boss out there do you like? Do you like the kind of boss that basically, I don't know, Call this cliche, call this purple and gold shades, call this rah rah re, all that silly car salesman bullcrap, you know, out there with the college coaches especially. But what kind of coach, what kind of boss do you like is, I mean, do you like a boss that encourages you or a boss that makes you nervous constantly and constantly takes subtle little jabs at you in the media? Subtle little jabs, constantly cutting everybody down, this and that. And that's what took place in 2016, and that team was a dumpster fire as many people would uh, describe. (laughs) Judd Zolgad likes to use that line. Uh, It was a dumpster fire, all right, and obviously for multiple reasons. You have a special teams coordinator named Mike Kreefer who, you know, flips out at times as well when something doesn't go right, this and that, and they, they just make everybody nervous. And a kicker, the last thing on earth you need is a kicker being nervous. And then when you look at... You look at Daniel Carlson, who has missed one out of 25 kicks since joining the Oakland Raiders. Yes, they suck big time. The Oakland Raiders suck. But Daniel Carlson's making his kicks from 50 yards, 30 yards, whatever the hell it is, and he's perfect on extra points. Here, he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn if his life depended on it because people were constantly making him nervous. I told him to make him, and this and that. You know, that was basically it. That was Mike Zimmer's comment about Daniel Carlson, and, oh, it was easy, and this and that. And you know what? I'm... I'm guilty too, but I'm not the head coach. I'm not there every day. I'm just a guy watching it on TV. That's all I am. I'm just an analyst behind a microphone and a laptop. I'm the host of Pearl Mafia, 10-year veteran. Okay, I've got that going for me, the 10-year veteran. 11th year, but now, crazy. But, uh, yeah, listen to me brag about that. Oh, goody, right? It's not helping the team at all. (laughs) Uh, They're there every day. It's their bleeping job. They're getting paid millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars, whatever it is, in the coordinator's case. Mike Prever looked on as a future head coach. I don't see a future anything. I see a future uh, 
substitute teacher if it keeps up. I don't know if you'd want him as a substitute teacher. He might make your kids like nervous going home. Because none, like none of the kickers under this son of a biscuit has done anything. They're all like mental gidgets leaving this place. They come in primed and ready to go and they leave a, as a mental gidget. But luckily, Daniel Carlson went the right direction. Daniel Carlson went to join uh, <clears throat> Cole's Kicking Camps. Jamie Cole is the name, trusted coach. Before Now, this, of course, is thanks to the Las Vegas Journal. Las Vegas Journal, of course, the future home of the Oaktown Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. Michael Gelkin. Gel- okay, Michael Gelkin. That's not too hard to pronounce. Well, that number eight's helping that team a little more than our number eight right now. But, okay, I better shut up. That's a little silly. Um, <clears throat> but it's as simple as one step closer. Just take one step closer. Let's read the quotes from... Uh, <clears throat> Daniel Carlson, he said, it's just easier to control when you're a little more compact, said Carlson, who estimates he begins his approach around 124 inches from the hold instead of 140. Hmm. Those steps aren't as long. You try to be as repeatable as possible, and I'm already six foot four, six foot five. Yes, yeah, so he is a tall guy. He looked like a basketball player, big time. Um, <clears throat> I'm almost a, I'm, I'm almost at a disadvantage there because it's harder to be repeatable when you're that tall. As a 5'10 kicker, it's easier to have the same exact angles and levers and stuff. And stuff. I love when people say, and stuff. (laughs) It's funny. I have to continue to work on staying compact in my tall frame. That way, every time I get to the ball, it's the exact same. Adrenaline can change things too, so you try to be the exact same as in practice as you are in the game. And just carry all that technique over. Well, Mike Prefer, well, Mike Zimmer, well, whoever you are. You know, if they, if this is all it took for this guy to check, like literally turn his career around, you guys suck. You know, and you know what? And I know Mike Zimmer, whatever. You're not the special teams coordinator, but Mike Prefer is. You know, he is. Mike Zimmer hired John D. Filippo. Mike Zimmer has kept uh, Prefer, who has had every kicker leave this place as a mental gidget, except maybe <laughs> Kai Forbath actually was okay, but he had some mental gidget moments as well. They, they gave up on Carl. They gave up on Forbath too quick. They've given up on Carlson too quick. And you know what? Again, I was one of the people, one of the pitchforkers, going off on, on Daniel Carlson. But again, I'm just, a, I'm just a radio host. That's all I am. They're coaches. Figure it out. It's possible. It is possible. Figure it out after the Seattle preseason game. Figure it out in frickin' training camp because I'm sure there were problems in training camp as well. You know, I mean, obviously, yeah, the guy is, how many six foot four, six foot five kickers are there? So again, that's one of the things. Look at, well, look at Daniel, look at, uh, what the hell is even his name anymore? <laughs> Daniel Bailey, Dan Bailey. Look at Dan Bailey. He's not a tall guy. So again, it's a different type of approach. Change the approach. Send him to Cole's kicking. Is it, is it such a horrible thing to send a guy to a kicking specialist for a day or two to figure a thing or two out? That's all it might have taken, you know? I mean, would it kill, would it have killed the Vikings coaching staff to send Daniel Carlson to to Cole's kicking camps? Would it have killed them? I don't know. But let's get off the kicking. We couldn't do that. We couldn't do this. We couldn't do this. We couldn't do that. That's basically the end of the story. What the, the Vikings offense just was so maddening. You could almost crush a TV with your pinky finger. You were that angry. Crush an entire TV set with your pinky finger. That's how bleeping frustrating this game was offensively. The defense showed up and played fantastic. 
But, well, guess what? We gave the ball to Seattle, and, and obviously that's a seven points, just like give wrapped it to them with the, uh, once again, another strip sack that ended up becoming a touchdown. Just God almighty, I can't take it anymore. Guys being left open. Again, Kirk Cousins trying to be Magic Johnson with a behind the, basically behind the back type of pass to uh, Latavius Murray that didn't make any sense. And then you have Adam Thielen open on certain plays. Again, Kirk Cousins talking about uh, guys being double teamed. Of course, Thielen and Diggs being double teamed, so can't really do anything. You have Adam Thielen after a catch late in the game saying that's been there all effing night, screaming it. You could hear it. And again, what was the play of the game? And on the Viking side of the ball, anyway. What was the play of the game on the Viking side of the ball? A spectacular play, a spectacular catch by Stefan Diggs, 48 yards down the field that put the Vikings in great position to take the lead. And he was double teamed, and he made the catch anyway. Oh, 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 anybody there? Oh, he was double teamed, and he made the catch. He was double teamed, and he made the catch. That's right, because he's good enough to make the catch. You have a coordinator that's nervous because, again, the constant jabs, this and that, nervous to make a mistake. You have a quarterback that's nervous to make a mistake, yet then again, he does make mistakes anyway because, again, the coach is making him nervous. The coordinator is, I don't know, maybe he's incompetent, maybe he's not. A change, I think, is necessary one way or another. Bring in Jim Caldwell. (laughs) Or, of course, Ed Stefanski. Go ahead, promote him to where apparently you wanted him to be the whole time. Maybe that's another thing that could make a guy nervous, this and that. Like a starting quarterback struggling out there or doing really good because you've got the backup quarterback that could be the future starter, this and that, waiting for him to come in and take over, this and that. Like when Matt Castle came in for Christian Potter, Christian Potter knew that his uh, days were numbered and he stunk horribly after that. Uh, not that he was good before that, but he was better in 2012 than he was in 13. So it's things like that, and that could be... Just a mess of problems going on with this coaching staff and this organization. I love the Vikings. I want them to succeed. And every time I dream about them winning and all that, I just feel so good. Believe it or not, (laughs) last night I dreamt that the Minnesota Vikings beat Philadelphia, if that makes sense, and advanced to the Super Bowl. Now, how funny is that? I was like, oh my God, they're finally back at the Super Bowl. And it felt so good. They beat Philadelphia. (laughs) It was a pretty close game, and they beat them, and they're going back to the Super Bowl, and then it's like, who are we going to play? Are we actually going to finish the job? After how horrible we've been, we actually made it to the Super Bowl. That's pretty crazy. So, who knows? Um, It does tell you I have obviously want this team to succeed desperately and how, how good that felt. But when you see an offense... But just clearly, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, horrible decision-making. You had Adam Thielen wide open on the Kyle Rudolph pass. Again, after the spectacular catch, 48-yard play from uh, Stefan Diggs, Kirk Cousins to Diggs, that led to a, well, the Vikings were on the two-yard line. They had four chances to get in, and they couldn't freaking do it. One thing after another, run, trying to run up the gut against big guys, that didn't work out. Play after play stopped. And again, you go to Kyle Rudolph and you had Adam Thielen open. I mean, just maybe, probably the Vikings would have taken the lead and it would have been a different result, very possibly. The confidence would have been on the Vikings side and not on Seattle's side. But, well, that was all for naught. Vikings couldn't get the job done. You get back, you get close again. A kick, a makeable kick for uh, Mr. (sighs) Mr. Bailey. And then that gets blocked. I mean, it's just nothing worked out the whole effing game. And it drove everybody crazy. And that's basically, that just kind of sums it up. 
Couldn't get the third down and one. Couldn't do this. Couldn't do that. Dumb decision-making by Kirk Cousins. Okay, there was a bad call or two by the refs that could drive us crazy. There's always that. But you have to overcome it somehow, some way. Good teams can do that. Good teams can do that. You can't just, you know, if you want to say the ref screwed you, say that if it's the final play of the game and it was an obvious touchdown or obvious non-touchdown or whatever. That's when you could say you got screwed by the refs. But if it's like during the game, okay, you got screwed here and there, overcome it. There's got to be a way to overcome it. And this team did not overcome it because they couldn't get a freaking first down. The most crazy statistic of all is the fact that the Vikings didn't even cross the 50-yard line <laughs> they had zero plays in the Seattle territory until six minutes for to get the third quarter. That is freaking atrocious. What? I mean, that's freaking awful. What more is there to say? Well, at least we got a couple sacks. Daniel Hunter was great. The defense was very solid throughout the game. Again, bogus uh, pass interference call on Xavier Rose. That really sucks, and it did not help the Vikings at all. Um... I don't know. What, really, what else is there to say? I'm just at a loss of words, even though I'm, I've am i said quite a few. This is a team that you could run on, but the Vikings didn't run well on, and of course, there weren't a whole lot of attempts either. Uh, Delvin Cook was solid, the 4.2 a carry, this and that. There was a, an occasional creative play, but generally speaking, it wasn't that great. I feel no confidence in this quarterback or this this coordinator per se in this offense, and I don't feel a whole lot of confidence in this quarterback. Is he worth eighty four million dollars over three years? No. Am I glad that it's only three years? Yes. Where will this team be three years from now? Or well, two two and a half two years from now? I have no idea. I have no idea. Is Mike Zimmer the right coach for this team? I don't know anymore. Um, he's a wonderful. I mean, as a defensive coordinator. It's like A++++. As a head coach, I don't know where he is right now. Like B minus, C plus. When I thought he was more of an A, A to A minus range. I'm not sure anymore. But I don't know. I mean, you could probably win the Super Bowl with Mike Zimmer as head coach. And I don't know. I mean, a lot of things need to go right, though. And, of course, that's how it is for every team out there. Everything went right for Philadelphia. I mean, you got to be... Sometimes you got to be more lucky than good, but... Being good helps too, and this team was not. <laughs> this team was not good. Uh, you, the defense was freaking awesome. The offense was not good. The defense is freaking awesome. Once again, you have like record low numbers. Like Russell Wilson, seventy-two yards passing. The guy was rendered useless in the game. Um, the one interception, of course, that was basically like a punt at the end of the game. Of course, it was a stupid ass play, but lucky for Russell Wilson, the clock had expired. Basically, the, the the period was over. I mean, there was like five seconds left, so you just kneel down and head into the halftime. But um, yeah, that's the that's the thing. I'm glad we got an interception on him. It was a throwaway that stayed in bounds and went to uh, Kendrick. So it kind of is what it is. But again, you render Russell Wilson useless, and you still can't beat the Seahawks. You still can't beat the Seahawks. It's just uh, ridiculous. Quarterback rating, 38, 38. Yeah, I mean, we got a little bit of offense in the second half. But the first half, the Vikings offense couldn't do jack crap. And then you have opportunities and then still can't do jack crap. Still can't get in the end zone. And things drop off the way they do. Disgusting and frustrating. I don't even really have anything else to say, I guess, at this point. Other than it just uh, leaves you at a loss. And if we do make the playoffs, it'll be because everyone else sucks. It won't be because we're spectacular. Unless, of course, we actually beat Chicago in the last game of the season. Which would be kind of encouraging, leading into probably playing Chicago again. 
Uh, Chicago's stuck at the third seed because I don't know if they're going to catch the Rams, even though, <clears throat> let's just say they played pretty good against the Rams this weekend. And the Rams, I'm starting to question them a teeny tiny bit because of uh, who they lost to. <laughs> if you're going to win a championship, you better beat the good teams. And they didn't. Uh-oh, they didn't. They didn't beat the two best teams other than them in the NFC, did they? So we'll talk about that in segment number two. With that, let's pass out the awards. The Fran Tarkington Award. I think it's going to be Stefan Diggs on the offensive side. You know, Anthony Barr had a really good game, didn't he? Daniel Hunter did too. Generally, I like to give it to one player, but the last couple of weeks when these games have been so horrendous, I mean, Stefan Diggs was, was awesome when he got a chance. And, of course, uh, so was Daniel Hunter as well. I loved what Daniel Hunter brought. He actually brought a little bit of pressure, and he did help. And Kendricks was good, too. Eric Kendricks, for the most part, as well. This defense played freaking lights out. They played lights out, and they still got shut out by the uh, the curtain, the uh, green, the emerald curtain. Now, Linval Joseph was unbelievable as well. He was just a killer. Absolutely awesome. I mean, you know what? It's it's just, let's just give the Fran Tarkenton Award to the defense. For, forget the offense. Just forget it. Even though Stefan Diggs is a fantastic player, and he deserves recognition, but that's what I'll give him, recognition. Honorable mention. The, the whole, th- you know, like Linval Joseph, Daniil Hunter, guys like that, they just were unbelievable throughout their game, and they deserve uh, Fran Tarkington Award, to be quite frank. Just an awesome, awesome game defensively, and they were let down once again, unfortunately, and I'm just, I'm disappointed for them. I, I, I really am. The Emerald Curtain, the Emerald Curtain of Seattle was what it was, and, well, that's what they are now, the Emerald Curtain. The, uh, <laughs> you know, Christian Potter Memorial. I mean, I don't know. What more can you say? Just same old crap. Just the same thing as last week. If you listen to last week's show, it's the same thing. The play calling. And you know what I mean? Kirk Cousins just, he doesn't do it for me. He doesn't do it for me. He does not do it for me. And you can disagree if you want, and that's fine. But he's not, to me, he doesn't look like the right quarterback. And obviously, the offensive line needs to be better. But, I mean, again, it's just no vision here. You just plug in a guy and think we're all ready to go. There was just no plan. There was no plan. That's the problem. You're going to invest all this money into a guy who struggles struggles when he doesn't have good protection. I know every quarterback's going to struggle a little bit. But some quarterbacks make something out of nothing. This one doesn't. And when you have a guy who, you know, can't handle it, why are you making him the guy when you have no plan in front of him to protect him? Idiotic. Rick Spielman, you suck. Seriously. You know, you've made some great draft picks, some good decisions, but you've made some really terrible ones, and this doesn't make any sense. It's just, there's no plan. No plan at all. So with that, I'll wrap up segment number one. As emotional as it was, could I have been more analytical? Yeah. But... I don't know. Sometimes it's got to be a raw version of the show, and that's what today was. This is a team that doesn't deserve to make the playoffs, but okay, I guess they will. I guess they will. Um, maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. Are they going to beat Miami? Will it be the first team they beat that's over 500? Hey! Well, we'll talk about that in segment number two. Miami Dolphins beat the Patriots again. <laughs> I can't believe it! And this is a guy who likes the Patriots. Second favorite team. They beat him again. What is up with that? Every freaking year. But welcome to divisional football. Funny stuff happens when you're in a division. Just like the Carolina Panthers. Were, yeah, let's, I don't know. Uh, just get off it. Let's, uh, get, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about segment number two right after this. 
And we are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. We're going to look around the NFL and, of course, the NFC North a bit. We'll be starting with New England-Miami because it's kind of ironic. Last week's opponent, next week's opponent. And then this week's was Seattle. Duh. Um, well, you had Tennessee and Jacksonville. That wasn't a very awe-inspiring game, 30-9. to I'm not even going to get into that too much. Just 30-9, to Tennessee over Jacksonville, and they're very much in the hunt in the AFC like they often are. New York Jets finally, finally won another game, beating the Buffalo Bills. Rookie quarterback versus rookie quarterback, where apparently Josh Allen's like leading the league in rushing lately. It's unbelievable, 100 yards rushing against the New York Jets in a losing effort. Both teams dropped to, well, both teams are 4-9. Buffalo dropped, and of course, uh, the Jets jumped up a bit. Sam Darnold, another interception, one of bajillions over the course of the season, and Josh Allen had a couple as well. But that guy's been getting his... <laughs> That guy's been getting his rushing yards, there's no doubt about that. Uh, how about them Cleveland Browns, Vince Germano, if you happen to be listening? Vince Germano out of Australia, third place in the AFC North, 5-7-1. and one. You'd be only, what, one game behind the, well, a half game behind the Carolina Panthers right now. How about that? Nice. And you'd have the tiebreaker over them. That's great. I'm very happy for the, I, I am, I'm very happy for the uh, Cleveland Browns. They're turning things around fairly quickly. Uh, Baker Mayfield, very efficient in the game. Not spectacular numbers, but efficient. Uh, 127 quarterback rating, got his touchdown and this and that, but an overall very nice performance. Too bad. Last week when I got to watch the Cleveland Browns, he stunk. And, and that's too bad. I wanted to see a, a good version of Baker Mayfield, so I was a little disappointed about that. We'll skip over Green Bay's little sugar high victory. We all know what a sugar high is, and What's what's the reasoning why I'm calling that, right? Because it's not Mike McCarthy. When it's a different coach, there's always that little sugar high game or a couple games, and depending on the situation. Kansas City over the Baltimore Ravens in overtime. Very close game. Patrick Mahomes getting the job done and keeping the Chiefs as the number one seed in the AFC. It looks like they're going to have home field advantage throughout the AFC. We'll see if it matters this time. Um, that's a tough place to play. I know the Vikings never win there in Arrowhead. It's beyond frustrating. Um, well, do I think the Patriots can on the in the playoffs? Absolutely. Uh, Lamar Jackson was kind of fun to watch. Unfortunately, he had the fumble, but it was nice to see him get out there and get a chance to play. Robert Griffin attempted a couple of passes. It was nothing special. Robert Griffin the third, that is. Uh, Lamar Jackson, not efficient, but yeah, but at least he, well, he didn't throw an interception. He did fumble. He got a couple touchdowns, and again, quarterback rating, just over 100. It's the accuracy that wasn't all too spectacular, but Pat Mahomes, Definitely stepped up in a big way. Way more yardage, this and that. He attempted 53 passes in the game and 7 yards per attempt. Did get an interception again against this Baltimore defense, which is back to being one of the best in the NFL. They're outstanding. Lamar Jackson adding that quickness as well. Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, of course, being much more of a classic quarterback. And he's definitely got a wonderful future for the Kansas City Chiefs. As it looks like they're not losing a whole much, a whole lot right now. In terms of the whole issues that took place, we'll leave that alone. Tampa Bay was looking good against New Orleans, but ultimately not the case. The New Orleans Saints are now the number one seed in the NFC, and I think they've—I think they're definitely the favorites to win the NFC and represent in the Super Bowl. I hope they don't win, but chances are—I mean, if New Orleans hosts the NFC, they're gonna—they're gonna go to the Super Bowl. Um, I don't see the Bears beating them. I don't see the. <laughs> I, I just don't. And I know years ago, maybe, well, maybe the Saints will avenge the Bears' victory over them way back in 06 when Drew Brees just first got there and the Saints got to the NFC title game that year but got thromped by a Chicago Bears team. Um, well, we'll talk about the Bears in a little bit. 
New Orleans Saints, though, again, they beat the Rams earlier this year. Chicago Bears beat the Rams. Oh, God, I got to get back to that. Slow down. But uh, New Orleans Saints, I think they're very much likely going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl this year. Drew Brees just continuing to do what he does, continuing to pile up the yardage, this and that. He didn't have a spectacular game or anything, but they won. And that's basically all there is to it. Tampa Bay started very strong, but New Orleans did what they do. They came back and just took it away from Tampa. New York Giants, they're playing fantastic football. Yeah, when it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Unfortunately for them, 40 points in this one. 40-16 to 16 over a defeated, finished Washington Redskins team. Again, yep, uh, that, that uh, same Joe Theismann type injury claiming uh, Alex Smith a few weeks back. And I just don't see this team recovering from that. Unfortunately for them, the Washington Redskins, of course, well, I mean, you know, when your starting quarterback is hurt and things go south the way they do, it's like, what do you, what else are you going to do at this point? Um, it's kind of sad. Uh, Saquon Barkley had a huge game, this and that. Eli Manning had a really good game, awesome game for Eli Manning. Three touchdowns, 132 quarterback rating, looking like the old Eli Manning. Mark Sanchez was lousy. Josh Johnson was, I don't know, I barely even know who that is at this point. Uh, Saquon Barkley dominating. 170 yards on the ground, 12 yards a carry. Just, you know, unbelievable. Obviously because of a 78-yard scamper to pay dirt. It's, uh, it's just an incredible game for him. Adrian Peterson barely got the ball because, well, they paid the, <laughs> the Washington Redskins were behind the whole game, especially after that second quarter. Just a devastating day for the Redskins until they managed to score 16 points in the fourth quarter after being down 40 to nothing. Ah, New York winning, leading 40 to nothing. Hmm. Let's leave that alone. Let's leave that alone. Yeah, it's a very funny inside joke. It's hilarious. <laughs> about 18 years ago with that one. Indianapolis Colts over Houston. How about that? So Houston finally losing a game, and the Colts, they're hanging on. They're hanging on to that playoff hopes, and I think there's a good chance they're going to make it. Are they going to do anything after that? Nah, the Colts are not a good playoff team. They don't know what they're doing. Okay, I'm just kidding. Well, they have a better coach now, and Andrew Luck is starting to finally regain that form after being pretty pretty ordinary for quite a while here after returning from that long-term injury. Deshaun Watson did not have his best game. He didn't have his worst game. It just wasn't enough, basically. He was okay. He was good, but Luck was a little teeny tiny bit better, and very huge road win for the Indianapolis Colts. This is huge, like the signature win. When you're looking for that signature win that puts you in the playoffs, it puts you on the map, this and that, this is what it was for the Indianapolis Colts. They snapped the Houston streak there. Cincinnati is not going to win another game this year the way it's going, and are they finally going to move on from Marvin Lewis? Oh my God, are they finally going to do it? The Los Angeles Chargers are 10-3, and and you know what? Yeah, I'm beginning to think they might win the, the AFC this year, and they are, boy, are they due to win the AFC after all these good years from Philip Rivers. Remember last year they started so horribly playing in that tiny soccer stadium where nobody went to the games. And the poor Chargers, you know, they're kind of left in... They're left in... You know, they're, they're, they're kind of being treated like, I don't know, just the unwanted stepchild. I don't like to go into that kind of conversation. But it's basically what they're being treated like right now in Los Angeles because the Rams are this glitzy super team, whatever, who are probably not going to win the Super Bowl, though. I don't think they're going to. And if they do, good on them. They better get it together in a hurry because that didn't look good. Um, the Chargers look like a team that could go to the AFC. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something if it's an all-LA Super Bowl? I'm sure everybody would hate it, but then again, it would be good. It would be fun to watch, though. It would be. 
it could happen. Chargers versus Saints, maybe. I'd, I'd like to see the Patriots get there, but I don't know if they're going to. I'm sure most of you are like sick and tired of it. Um, it doesn't help, though, when, again, uh, Andy Dalton's out. He's, he's just finished, and that's unfortunate for Cincinnati, but it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. That team is finished in general. Phillip Rivers didn't have his best game, but the Chargers get the job done 26-21. to 21. Joe Mixon, over 100 yards on the ground, but uh, not enough for Cincinnati to uh, hang on to any type of a dear life. Uh, San Francisco won a game against Case Keenum. San Francisco won a game, and it was against Case Keenum, and that pretty much... Wraps it up for the uh, Denver Broncos. And in, in my humble opinion, that's got to be it. Uh, San Francisco finally got their third win of the year. Wow, George Kittle, whoever the heck that is, right? <laughs> George Kittle is basically like a whoever the heck the 49ers quarterback is at this point. It isn't Bethard right now. Uh, it isn't, uh, of course, Garoppolo. Keenum did not have a... He's just average. Looks like an average backup quarterback starting for a team. Just a spot starting backup quarterback is what Case Keenum looks like now in Denver. And he's looked like that all year. Um, no, I'm just messing around. George Kittle, obviously a valuable piece uh, here and there throughout the game. <laughs> Nick Mullins is the quarterback for the 49ers. I'm just bullshitting around when I look at these pictures. But no, Kittle, obviously big moments against the Vikings in the preseason game. George Kittle getting the job done after an 80-yard catch in the game. Mullins, of course, big play. George Kittle, unbelievable, man. 210 yards. What a, what a game for him. Um, too bad it wasn't Kittle and uh, Garoppolo working together. Because uh, I think San Francisco might be uh, making a little noise. They'd at least be the second-place team in the uh, NFC West. But did not. Uh, George Kittle, huge game, though. 210 yards again. And, uh, yeah, Nick Mullins, well, he's he's, he's better than C.J. Beathard. Uh, he, he is definitely better than C.J. Beathard. <sighs> He's doing a good job, and the 49ers hanging in there, and they beat the Broncos, and let's just move on. Again, it's kind of like Garoppolo at the end of the year, though, last year when the team was completely out of it. San Francisco, go get that left tackle or whatever the heck it is. Uh, the running game, this and that. George Kittle, though, hell of a tight end for the San Francisco 49ers. They could probably use a running back, even though Jeff Wilson Jr. had a good game. But um, we'll see. It ain't Alfred Morris. I know that much. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys over Philly. That was an overtime game. That was a big mess. Lots of penalties here and there. Philadelphia just about done. I mean, they're just about finished. And luckily, the Vikings have the tiebreaker over Philadelphia this year versus last year. Big difference, obviously. Huge uh, situation right there. Uh, Minnesota. Chances of making the playoffs are actually not bad. Despite, again, you'd think they'd be pretty much finished after yesterday. But the Vikings still hanging on to dear life because of teams like Philadelphia and Washington and Carolina, not really serious about making the playoffs this year. And the Vikings don't look too serious either. Uh, Carson Wentz looking a little more like Carson Wentz in this one. Dak Prescott somehow found a way to get 455 yards in this game. And that just seems so bloated and crazy. But he did attempt 54 passes. He had a great game, but again, it was bloated. Uh, Dallas kind of in a passing situation, trying to catch up and beat the Philadelphia Eagles. In a short time there, in a short time span, and they were able to do it, getting into the overtime period. The Oakland Raiders, Daniel Carlson and the Oakland Raiders. We can't say Derek Carr, it's Daniel Carlson. That's their franchise player. Even though Derek Carr had a second straight good game. Good for him. Good for Derek Carr. Uh, Roethlisberger went out with a rib injury in the game. The uh, Pittsburgh Steelers will be a road team 
at best if they make the postseason, and they probably will. They got a better record than a lot of other teams, despite, well, it's just a half-game lead. Derek Carr, though, eclipsing the 300-yard mark, quarterback rating 122. Nice to see him getting back into form, but of course the pressure is off, and it's long gone. Oakland, also like their Bay neighbors there. San Francisco and Oakland, even though they don't play that close to each other anymore, um, getting the job done through their third, their third win of the season. Oof. The Las Vegas Raiders, but no, good for Daniel Carlson. He is, uh, he's been a nice story without a doubt. He made his 44 yarder and made all of his extra points and all that. Daniel Carlson outside kicking usually made a miss in the past with Minnesota. We'll just leave that alone. So we're in the final games here. Let's uh, go to Detroit. Well, not to Detroit, to Arizona. The team that uh, officially ended McCarthy's career with Green Bay, they managed only three points against that awesome Matt Patricia defense. Oh, greatest defense ever. No, Cardinals just suck. Uh, they're 3-10. and 10. Looks like San Francisco, uh, Oakland, and Arizona all looking to get that number one pick. They're going to be at the top of the draft this year. Detroit's what they are, 5-8. and eight. They're finished. There's no chance they're going to make it. Their best player to me is Matt Prater. Well, no, Matthew Stafford. Just somebody named Matt, basically. Prater and Stafford. Josh Rosen, again, I can't say I can't say enough. Just an average guy. I'm not impressed with Josh Rosen. I'm not. I'm not impressed with Josh Rosen. And, yeah, I'll just leave the rest of that alone as well. Uh, Detroit just won the game 17-3 to in a just meh, very meh game. Kind of like Green Bay and Arizona last week. It was just nice to see Arizona win, I guess. Chicago and Los Angeles. Well, you know what? I want to backtrack. Let's look at the Packer game instead first. I want to talk about Chicago a little later because, yeah, got some big takes going into that one. Not big takes, but I just think it's fascinating. And uh, I don't know. Well, it's an interesting uh, picture shaping up in the NFC. <clears throat> the big picture, so to speak. The Sugar High game, 34-20. to Green Bay over Atlanta. Atlanta's lost their ninth game of the year. Wow. Uh, Julio Jones made a few really, really nice catches in the game as we got to watch this one. It was a nooner. Vikings finally have a nooner again next week. I can't believe it. I'm I'm excited. Finally a nooner. I can finally just chill and record in the in the in the in the early evening, you know, in the early evening, late afternoon, instead of like random days like I am right now. But I'm having fun, I guess, even though it's depressing. Matt Ryan had a decent game, but ultimately again, Packers were just a little uh, a little bit better despite the fact they're as done as it gets as well. But I suppose they're kind of, sort of, in itself. They kind of are. They got their fifth win of the year, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I don't, even, I don't want to talk about the Packers. That's why I wanted to just get that out of the way. Chicago Bears, 15-6. to Talk about grinded out extremely strong defense. It was just a field goal fest. Uh, Matt, why am I calling him Matt? Mitchell, not Matt, Mitchell Trubisky. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man. First of all, Jared Goff had an awful game against a very, very good defense. And this tells me something. It does tell me something. As good as Jared Goff is, Jared, not Jarrett, Jared Goff is. I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, that's that's a pretty rough game. That is rough. And, I mean, that 19.1 quarterback rating and 45.5% completion percentage, ooh, ooh, boy. Hmm. I mean, even Kirk Cousins got over 200 yards against the Bears. Oh, yeah, I don't know. That does not look good. Um, I understand weather conditions and all, but so what? Win the damn game. You know, I mean, it just is what it is. As good as the Rams are, they're capable of having a bad game, this and that. The Rams have not performed against the top teams in the NFC. They have not. 
And that tells me something. That tells me they're not winning the NFC this year despite their gaudy record, this and that. I don't think the LA Rams are going to this, the Super Bowl. I don't. And if they do, again, good on them for overcoming. But I, I just don't think they're ready. They're going to take a major step forward. They will go to the NFC title game, probably against the Saints. But then again, will they? Will they, though? Because if they're the number two seed, who's the number three seed? Chicago. Can Chicago beat the Rams in L.A.? I think Chicago is more likely to win in Los Angeles than Los Angeles is in Chicago, which again tells me something. You might be looking at a Bears and Saints NFC title game, which would be again be a rematch of the 2006 uh, NFC title game. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I'm not sure anybody's beating the Saints this year, unfortunately, and I hate saying it. But uh, back to my point about Mitchell Trubisky instead. Now, Jared Goff, again, he's, he's young, and so is Mitchell Trubisky. Both of these guys, very, very, very young. Um, they better uh, hope for the best. Jared Goff is actually a year older than Mitchell Trubisky, so that's very disappointing. Again, Mitchell Trubisky, though, that's the one thing. Chicago's got this phenomenal defense, and they've got a really good running game. Really good. Tariq Cohen, and of course, Jordan Howard, who was one of those great picks, again, which again tells you, you don't have to go top 10 in the draft to get your future franchise running back. You don't, just like your future franchise wide receiver. Stefan Diggs, fifth round. Jordan Howard, fifth round. Adam Thielen, undrafted. Can I can I can can I continue? I mean Latavius Murray wasn't a high pick, and he's good. He's not a franchise running back, but he's useful. Useful. Todd Gurley was a high draft pick, and occasionally, yeah. I mean, that's just the guy. Uh, Saquon Barkley, blah, blah, blah. We we get it. But um again, and un- unless you just you know, you're in love with the guy and you're in you're in pretty good shape in other areas like left tackle, right tackle, guards, blah blah blah. You need a new center. Defensive tackle, whatever, a defensive end that can really help your defense. Go ahead and take that running back if you have a good opinion on him. But just saying, again, there's a lot of good running backs that aren't blue chip first round guys. There's a lot of good, a bajillion good wide receivers that aren't first round guys. Wide receiver, even more than running back. But um, Mitchell Jabisky, <laughs> long story longer. Is he going to be. And I know Sebastian used to hate when I said this about uh, Christian Ponder. But I have to say this because it's Chicago. I know he's a different quarterback and blah, blah, blah. But in Chicago terms, is he going to be another Grossman for Chicago? Rex Grossman. Where he'll get them to the Super Bowl and NFC title game this and that, but never win the big one. That's the one thing I'm fearing about Mitchell Trubisky. I think he's a little too erratic. I think he's got a better skill set than Rex Grossman. Rex Grossman did not have a good skill set. That's the one thing. It's like, okay, there was hopes, this and that. He was a first-round pick. Mitchell Trubisky, the hope is, again, that there is a better skill set and that he will turn it around. And I think the capability is there. But so far, uh, he's pretty rough, too. I mean, neither one of these quarterbacks had a good game. I mean, look at Jared Goff, 19-1 quarterback rating. Mitchell Trubisky, 33.3. That sucks in the course of three interceptions. So, very important to sit down and, and look that over here. Uh, Jared Goff, again, to me, that's this is the best defense in football. It's the Chicago Bears. It is the Chicago Bears. The Vikings are like second or third in Baltimore. It's like, and then Seattle might as well be fourth after yesterday, even though they're not, but they might as well be after yesterday, if that makes any sense. As I try not to cough to death. Holy cow, thanks God for that dump button there. Oh, oh, oh. that was brutal. So, Yes, that's what the Chicago quarterbacks uh, looked like against each other on Sunday night football. How about the Bears, though? Okay, so with that, there's my takes on it. It's going to be interesting to see how these two teams uh, 
shape up because one of these teams has to beat the Saints at some point to go to the Super Bowl. So one of these teams is probably going to go up against the Saints in the NFC title game unless somehow the Saints get upset by the Vikings. Maybe the Vikings pull off the upset, beat the Bears, go to New Orleans, beat them, and then the Vikings beat the Rams, and we're the next Baltimore Ravens, the 2012 Baltimore Ravens. Well, let's just go out there and do it, damn it. (laughs) I don't know, man. That would be quite the miracle. Let's talk about the uh, team that's going to maybe sneak into the playoffs in the AFC over there. And will it be the Minnesota Vikings' first win over a 500 play, over a team that's got a better than 500 record, a winning record, to say it a little bit better? Uh, 34 to 33, the Miami Miracle, the spectacular play, the escape, Drake's escape, unbelievable. Um, <laughs> that was pretty funny, and even you even saw a Tecmo Bowl uh, remake of it. That was kind of cool. I like that. There's like a modern Tecmo Bowl with modern players. Obviously, still. Nintendo graphics, sound, and everything, which I like more than anything. I love the NES more than anything else. Got my NES Classic right over there, and oh, it doesn't get better than that. Um, the Miami Miracle. I don't think there's going to be a Miami Miracle in Minneapolis, but uh, I don't know. The Vikings' history against this club, it's checkered. There's been some interesting games. There's been some frustrating ones. And this, uh, again, thanks to... <laughs> www.footballdb.com so thank you again football database the football database this is great great to have these records the all-time records especially when you play an AFC team the, the you know the schedules well I mean obviously your NFC North it's like this huge like 100 to 100 type thing you played them 100 times or more Miami Dolphins officially lead the series 8 to 4 so not too surprising that the Dolphins have had a lot of success against the Vikings including 3 in a row unfortunately <clears throat> Very, very frustrating opponent, the Miami Dolphins. Very. Uh, dating way back to 72, the Vikings lost to the Dolphins. The 72 Dolphins, well, everybody lost to the Dolphins that year. Even though they weren't the glitziest team ever, they had a very strong defense and a solid offense. <clears throat> In 74, this was, of course, January 13, 74, Minnesota and Miami, well, they went against each other in the Super Bowl. That game did not go well either. It was one of those classic Viking games where... <clears throat> I mean, you watch that Super Bowl, or at least parts of it, and it's like it's the same kind of stuff that drives us crazy today. The same kind of stuff that drove us crazy three, four years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, against the Atlanta Falcons, against whoever. It's third and eight. Vikings get this stop, and everything. And here we go. The Vikings have a chance now to get back in the game and maybe even win it. Who knows? And Miami gains 12, 15 yards. It's because they missed three tackles. It's just unbelievable. And that's basically what that Super Bowl was like. 24-7, to seven, Dolphins beat the Vikings for their second Super Bowl, of course. In 2000, no, 1976, Fran Tarkington's, well, it wasn't his last year, but it was the Vikings' last Super Bowl year. Unfortunately, but we beat the Dolphins 29-7. First win against them. Three losses in a row. <laughs> interesting. This is an interesting pattern I'm seeing here. The only time the pattern didn't happen was at the very beginning. So this is fascinating, actually. So Vikings win, right? Then three losses in a row. 1979, Miami 27, Minnesota 12. 1982, December 5th, Dolphins 22-14 to uh, 14 in Miami. Now, of course, the first one was in Minnesota in 79. Back to Miami again, 24-7, to 7, just like the Super Bowl. God, in 1988, that was a cool year, but didn't work out for the Vikings on that day. So there's three losses, right? Now the Vikings win three in a row. Interesting. Interesting pattern forming here. Minnesota, and this was way back in good old 94, Warren Moon and the Vikings led the Dolphins. I remember this game very well, very well. 28 to nothing. 
28 to nothing, right? The Dolphins tied it up. But the Vikings end up escaping 38 to 35. I still remember that. I still can see the the headline on the Star Tribune like, "Woo, this one didn't get away." Minnesota beat Miami in 2000 with Dante Culpepper. This was a very close game. Culpepper was uh well, he struggled in the game. Uh, this was his this was probably his uh, this was one of the more tough games for Dante Culpepper. But he still helped them win the game. Uh, rushed uh, the touchdown in, and the Vikings end up with a 13-7 to victory at the end of the day. Didn't throw a touchdown, but rushed it in, and the Vikings escaped that one. That's the second win in a row in 2002, when the Vikings were really lousy. Culpepper and Minnesota escape a not-so-good Miami team there. Actually, that was a decent Miami team. It was just a shocking win, 20-17. to And now the Dolphins win three in a row. Hmm, interesting pattern here. 06, the Dolphins in Miami, 24-10. to That was uh, November 19th. Uh, September 19th, 2010. God, that game was... Ooh, it was frustrating in the Metrodome. 14-10, to 10, the Vikings had so many opportunities to win that game. They stopped Adrian Peterson at the goal line. They stopped him multiple times on second, third, and then ultimately fourth down. The Vikings got nothing at the goal line. Dolphins win the game 14-10. to 10, And then Miami, 37-35. to 35. In Miami, a pretty entertaining game there. The Vikings just could not get the job done back in 2014. Heartbreaker with Teddy Bridgewater for the first time playing in his uh, hometown team, basically, in hometown stadium there. Dolphins lead the series 8-4-0, and no ties, and you notice a pattern here, and this is what gives me hope, and also I think this is the little tease game that we all get excited because we're going to beat the Dolphins at home, and we're going to feel good because we, we won a game when we feel a little bit better. I have a good feeling, and I do think this pattern is adding up. See? <laughs> It's three losses, three wins, three losses. I think the Vikings start a three-game win streak against the Dolphins. This might be a load of crap, but I think the Vikings are going to are gonna beat the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. Not just because of that, but I think there's going to be an improvement. I have a feeling I'm still scouring the, uh, the wires here, but I'm not seeing any news yet. I keep, you, you can guess what I'm looking for, that the Vikings have fired John Filippo. Well, at this moment, Tuesday morning, 10.30, the Vikings have not fired John Filippo yet. So if it's already happened when you're listening, if it happens like a couple seconds from now, so be it. Or right as I'm uploading the show, so be it. <clears throat> Maybe it'll happen in segment three. I'm kind of surprised they haven't, to be quite frank. I'm very surprised that it hasn't happened yet. But maybe you wait until noon or something. That, t- that tends to happen. But I think there's going to be some type of a change or there will just be a massive improvement and a motivation because the Vikings' back is up against the wall and there's no tomorrow. You know, the cliche bull crap that we always hear. This will be a desperation game. I think Minnesota does beat Miami. And then put it this way, if they don't, their season's done and they absolutely don't deserve to make the playoffs after losing to the Dolphins and losing your, you know, losing yet, yet another game. Just an absolute joke. Your seventh loss of the year. The best record you can possibly have is 8-7-1 and one, and you'd have to beat Detroit in Detroit and Chicago here. I think this is the Vikings game to win. Um, believe it or not. Despite the awful play, I do believe there will be some type of change. I think you're going to see better offense. I think you're going to see a overall better game by the Minnesota Vikings versus the Miami Dolphins. Future Hall of Famer, and he's absolutely future Hall of Famer because he's the fifth all-time running back in uh, Frank Gore. He is just unbelievable. He is just hanging in there, and he's still got it, and he's just he's just doing great. Uh, their offense is not so good, but think of who they've had at quarterback, Brock Osweiler, at times this year. Tannehill's decent. Their running game is 18th in the league. Their passing is 26th, and their offense is 29th in the NFL. Again, they've struggled because of, well, certain guys, <laughs> certain guys being out. 
And, uh, yeah, Brian Tannehill missed time like he did last year, the whole damn season last year. Um, Cameron Wake, he's one of those good defensive linemen who gets the job done. He's got four and a half sacks. Robert Quinn, those are all familiar names right there. Uh, man, Xavier Howard is leading the NFL, sole possession, NFL, with seven interceptions. So it's the Miami defense, I think, is scarier than their offense. It's going to be a low-scoring game. And Miami has been this type of team pretty much since Dan Marino left, to be quite honest. Frank Gore is their leading rusher with 708 yards on the season. It's going to be a stretch for him to get to 1,000, but still. And it's amazing, he has not gotten into the end zone once. Yet he's one of the all-time NFL leading rushers, and I have a lot of respect for the guy. Um, I don't think Adrian Peterson is going to catch Frank Gore, and that's pretty crazy, but even despite the awesome season he's having, and he did pass Dickerson, if you can believe it. I didn't think he would, but the awesome season he's had, he's he's found a way to pass Dickerson. He found uh, he passed Tony Dorsett earlier in the season. He now passed Dickerson, but it's still a, it's a climb, though. If you're, He's going to get up to Frank Gore. Adrian Peterson, eighth all-time in the NFL uh, rushing list. <clears throat> We're not here to talk about Adrian. We're here to talk about Frank Gore and the Miami Dolphins. It's their defense, I think. Ultimately, that's a little bit scarier. Well, not really. Um, <clears throat> they've struggled as well, which is kind of funny. This this is a crazy team. Their statistics, their yardage is is a problem. Um, they give up they they give up uh, 401 yards a game, which is 29th in the league, 29th in, in rushing yards, 29th and uh, 25th in passing. I do think again, especially with the uh, interceptions, that's where Miami's defense comes in. They force turnovers is the interceptions, not so much the yardage. Uh, Xavier Howard, lead seventh or seven interceptions on the season. TJ McDonald with three. Kiko Alonso with three also. That's quite a bit. That's 13 interceptions with three guys. So, I don't care who the coordinator is. It's going to be, it's going to be, uh, as long as he stays healthy, God forbid, please stay healthy, Delvin, and he's, and be, be healthy for the game. It's going to be Delvin Cook's day. You're going to win the game with Delvin Cook getting 100 you're going to see Delvin Cook's best running game of the season. This is what it's going to be. Yeah, that's what it's going to have to be. I think Kirk Cousins is going to have some moments, but I'm sure he'll have a moment or two the other way. Don't be surprised if there's an interception in the game against this team. But um, I do believe it's Delvin Cook's day to shine. They give up 140 yards on the ground to the Miami Dolphins per game. Per game. There's no excuse. Latavius Murray is going to get 40 to 50 yards. I mean, one of these two guys is going to come out and, and shine maybe both of them will wind up in the end zone at some point. But I do believe Delvin Cook is Delvin Cook is going to get 100 to 150 yards in the game. He will get triple digits in yardage in the game. Uh, Adam Thielen reached his 100th reception yesterday, which is great, but not too, not a, not, not, not really a day to celebrate any, any offensive numbers for the Vikings yesterday. So it's kind of like, ah, it's kind of like a moot point at this stage. But um, Vikings will win the game on the ground, ultimately. Kirk Cousins will have some moments, but if they don't run the ball against the Miami Dolphins, if they don't have success on the ground, if they don't have the proper run blocking, the Vikings will lose the game. But if they do, the Vikings should be able to overcome this and beat the Miami Dolphins, avoid the crazy amount of turnovers that they could they could possibly have in the game, and get the job done. Uh, three interceptions, so for the, the linebacker even, Kiko, Alexa, Kiko Alonso, good for him at the end of the day. But uh, again, it's definitely on Mr... Delvin Cook, and obviously whoever the coordinator is. If John Filippo is still the coordinator, this is the game you got to run the ball. I mean, it's just, to me, it's common sense. And, of course, you don't want to do it constantly. You don't want to only run the ball. you got to keep things honest. Of course, Stefan Diggs, I expect him to have a good, solid game. Adam Thielen, hopefully, as well. I mean, 
you should be able to beat this team. Their defense is not that good. Their offense is not that good. So, despite the fact they're 7-6, and six, which is pretty weird, but uh, that's how it goes. It's going to be a running type of day, though, I, I do believe, to avoid the turnovers. That's what's going to get it done. And Miami got it done against New England with running the ball and having a uh, lucky play at the end, Kenny Drake. They do have a, uh, a Ken Yen Drake, Ken Yen Drake, by the way, who averages 4.5 a carry. Frank Gore also 4.7 a carry. Uh, Miami's definitely more of a passing offense than a running offense so far this year, despite the fact they have two very solid running backs. I do expect Miami to run, uh, to pass the ball more than run in the game, and hopefully the Vikings can get a turnover against Ryan Tannehill, who statistically has been pretty good this year. 16 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, quarterback rating about 106. He has lost 3 fumbles this year, though, interestingly, in the only 8 games. So hopefully the Vikings can force a turnover, and that crowd noise and all that can be disruptive enough for the Miami Dolphins. Minnesota wins the game 24 to 20 or so, 20, 24 to 21, something like that. A low-scoring, close game. I might even go 21 to 17, 21 to 14 type of game, but Minnesota's going to win the game. Delvin Cook's going to get like 125 yards, I'm guessing, and a touchdown. At the end of the day, Latavius Murray about 50 yards, and he will also get a touchdown in the game. Minnesota does win with a conservative offense and gets the job done. A conservative running type of offense, not the... uh, not the boring Childress type crap, but the actual classic running game type of style. That's how Minnesota will win the game against the Miami Dolphins, and you will see some passing yardage. Probably Stefan Diggs will score a touchdown in the game, and he will get about 80 yards, in my humble opinion. Minnesota wins 21-7 to in a lower-scoring game, despite, again, it's not like Miami's got this great offense, or or has got this great defense, but I think the Vikings come out conservatively to avoid turnovers. I think they're going to be a little bit tight, especially because of that reason, and that's why it's going to be a lower scoring game, and Minnesota's defense will keep Miami honest. 21-14, to Minnesota defeats the Miami Dolphins in U.S. Bank Stadium. With that, we'll take a quick break, come back, and and talk about, uh, talk to you guys, Facebook and Twitter, We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number three, fan interaction. No call-ins this week, and I don't blame you, though I'm sure somebody out there would like to vent, and there will be plenty of venting on the Facebook and Twitter accounts. On Twitter, it is at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show. Mad Martin out of Northern Scotland is mad, and he's pissed off. (laughs) He says, just watch the first half. What a woeful performance from the O-line. Thankfully, the D's played well to keep us in it. Dare I watch the second half later? And nope, don't don't watch it, Mad Martin. Don't watch it. No, and apparently he did. He says, uh, <clears throat> and the Bears have almost sewn up the division. Of course, their stunning win, or not stunning, but impressive win over the Los Angeles Rams. More on the defensive side, because Trubisky and the offense wasn't that great. The running game was, though, it was good. <laughs> Jordan Howard closing the century mark. And Cohen's spectacular numbers as well. Mad Martin continues saying, Are you saying the second half is as bad as the first? Something to look forward to. Oh, it's it's bad. It's bad. I said something. Let's see what he, let's see what, what did I tell him? I said this game was an abomination offensively. <clears throat> and it was. And yes, I am saying so. Uh, he says, 19 offensive plays in the first half. Garbage. Rick better fix the O-line or just go. No kidding, right? <laughs> he says, yep, I see why the Redskins didn't sign Cousins to the massive contract now. 
No, no pass, no rush, no nothing. And yeah, I think he's not that guy. I, you know, I'm officially sick of Kirk Cousins already. It, it didn't take long. And I'm sick of DiFilippo too. Uh, Matt Martin continues saying, DiFilippo and the Vikings offense might be the most predictable unit in the entirety of the NFL. I, I think so too. Just ask Bobby Wagner and Pete Carroll. That says it all. Do you see him getting a head coaching job? Nope, I, I don't. If he goes to the Packers, good luck to him. Of course, he goes there and he ends up being this. Uh, he ends up being the next McVeigh. But okay, I'm just kidding. Ah, forget about it. I, I I don't know what else to say anymore. I'm sick of uh, sick of this offense. I I'm not a fan of Kirk Cousins. You know, and it's like in the off season when I heard about the, the the amount of money you have to commit. It's like, is this wise? And then it's like again, I don't know. It's like why is Kirk Cousins not up there with the top guys? That's why. That's why. That's why you don't talk about Kirk Cousins in the in the same vein as the you know the Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, you know Matt Matt Ryan, this and that. Let's continue. Matt Martin says we are actually beyond awful right now. If we went to the playoffs, we'd get absolutely destroyed. So it's pointless anyway. Your podcast will make for more interesting listening. Thank you uh, for interesting listening. And yeah, thank you. It's I hope it's been interesting so far. He continues saying, this season is turning into a disaster, and due to the cap situation, not sure how they fix the O-line. And Captain Kirk has not performed in key games. Let's hope Flip gets the Packers job. I hope so, too. Well, the only way to fix the offensive line now is through the draft. And you know what? That's the best way to fix it anyway. Be it cheaper or not cheaper, they have to fix it through the draft. Uh, Captain Kirk is not good. No, he's not performing in key games. And, well, you know, and it's just like, it's classic Vikings, where you get a quarterback in Warren Moon, who never won a playoff game. You know, you're all excited about it. He never won a flipping playoff game. And he was 40 years old already. He had never won a playoff game. And we're still waiting for Warren Moon's first playoff win. <laughs> Cunningham had great success. Future Hall of... Well, I don't think he made it, but no, you know, he was in Hall of Fame level, but a very good quarterback. He could have been Hall of Fame if he didn't, like, fall off the face of the earth when he, in his mid-30s before coming to Minnesota. Uh, could have been a Hall of Famer. Moon, obviously, was an easy one. Um, Cunningham... Sucked in the playoffs, too. Great seasons with Philadelphia, but he was not a good playoff performer. He came to Minnesota. Well, awesome regular season. And, of course, it was he wasn't even supposed to be the starter, but he had that wonderful renaissance, comeback player of the year. Here come the playoffs. Well, yeah, he didn't perform after he got smacked in the mouth a little bit right before the half. And we'll leave that alone. I still, to this day, have not watched that game in any form whatsoever. I will not watch it. I will not watch the 98 NFC title game. I refuse. Uh, Matt Martin finalizes Twitter saying, looking at Zimmer's face says it all, Flip needs to go. Yep, I think he will too. And this was uh, right as I was starting to record the show. <laughs> it's true though. It is so true. And uh, thank you for those awesome tweets, Matt Martin. You are a gem to the show. You are a gem. And again, talking about Hall of Fame. You're in it, buddy. You're in it. Uh, let's go to the uh, Facebook page. First, a quick shout-out to MN Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven. Uh, Trevor Wickerin is the founder of that page. Kind enough to allow me to post links to Purple Mafia on that page. And, of course, wonderful uh, in-game threads, just like I provide on this one. But, yeah, you're welcome to go to both, if you like. And, of course, and great conversation throughout the week, breaking news. Maybe you'll see Filippo get let go, or maybe something else. Who knows? Anything could happen. The Vikings released Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that would be a pretty big check. I, there's no way they're doing that. Plus, it would still count against the cap. So, yeah, we're screwed. We're screwed. And nobody's going to write that kind of a check just to fire a guy. I mean, you'd, you'd be fired on the spot for that. Um, so, 
let's just uh, continue. Thank you again, Trevor Wickerin, for allowing me to uh, post on that page. MN Vikings Haven, and a lot of you have joined that, and thank you very much. And I'm more than obliged to give them a shout-out, and uh, thanks again for allowing that. Facebook page, Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. The most recent episode, there was no comment at the bottom of it, so the the children's like, this is 281, the uh, Emerald Curtain, the Emerald Curtain. It's just so beautiful, isn't it? Uh, So the in-game threads, that was a bit crazy here and there. (laughs) Some guys were, a lot of guys were frustrated, Jerry Hicks and others getting... Uh, well, they're having a fun game. He's wearing a Favre shirt, a jersey. Well, it wasn't a jersey. It was a shirt with a Viking horn and saying Favre. That was kind of cool. Uh, that was that was a cool idea there. Dave Hickey was asking, does anybody tackle anymore or just play bumper cars? And that was, of course, at the big moments and the frustrations really starting to kick in with a lot of guys here. Uh, Delvin Cook had that big run. It gave us a chance. Dave Hickey sums it up in a couple of words there. 84, 84 million wasted. Brett McCarthy says, well, that's it. Wow, unbelievable. Say goodbye to Filippo tomorrow. Jesse Ball says, that was huge. The Vikings can't get up after that. They need to check their pulses. And, yeah, that was ridiculous. That was, again, after that stupid, you know, they couldn't even get in the end zone. It was terrible. Uh, Brett McCarthy showing extreme frustration. Worst play calling ever. Mark Carlson out of Iowa says, Skull Pro Mafia, it's a big game. We need to play smart tonight. And that was much earlier. I wonder how that popped in there. That was two hours earlier. Weird. I don't understand this thing. Uh, Mark Carlson was saying those are some ugly uniforms. Brett McCarthy saying getting ugly fast. This somehow got scrambled, but uh, that's kind of how that went. And by the way, there was no bug Doug Baldwin. There was no Trey Waynes or Doug Baldwin, so the Vikings held their own defensively nicely <clears throat> with Alexander and Holden Hill, who I thought played wonderfully in the game. I really appreciated how Holden Hill played in the game. Um, Trey Waynes, again, out with a concussion, his second of the year, and Doug Baldwin out also. Interestingly, and the Vikings could do nothing despite that uh, not-so-good offense. Let's get to... Where the hell is it? This is just weird. I don't like the way this is behaving. Oh, my Lord. Okay, let's, <laughs> try, to re- let's, try, to, let's try to reset this a little bit, refresh. <sighs> or take a change of venue here. This is... Re- what the hell? Why did it get all scrambled up? Don't you guys love Facebook when it does this crap? Does it just drive you crazy sometimes? But then again, I guess, yeah, whatever. Uh, let's get to the post-game thread of the different venue. Screw that thing. Um, I was saying absolutely bleeping horrible. The most frustrating game I've ever seen in my life. Then that is saying a lot. I hate Seattle so much, it's not even funny. And it's like they rubbed it on our face the entire night. Oh my God, this set me on fire. Brett McCarthy, South Dakota, future Hall of Famer, says offensive play calling was terrible. Offensive line is garbage. Dave Hickey says, oh, they rubbed it in, they rubbed it in all right. Bad play calling. Bobby Wagner said they knew exactly what was coming and exactly what they did, and that's exactly right. Brett McCarthy with the Etch-A-Sketch, pulling out the Etch-A-Sketch, saying John Filippo's playbook. The Etch-A-Sketch. <laughs> yes! Turning back the clock, and I grew up with that thing. Did you grow up with that thing too, Brett? Uh, I love those things. The Etch-A-Sketch. Oh, you've got taste. You have got taste, my friend. I love it. 31 comments in the... Uh, that is unbelievable. That is incredible. 31 comments in the uh, post-game thread. Wow. Wow. It was almost as active as the post as the, as the in-game thread, and I was uh, unavailable for it, unfortunately. I could not 
be available for it yesterday, even though I was watching the entire game. I was saying fire prefer also, <clears throat> as other people were saying fire people. Um, that got a few few likes. Again, John Filippo's playbook. Yep, he reposted it out in the open there. Dave Hickey out of Iowa. Him being Brett McCarthy. Dave Hickey out of Iowa says, Enough said. I'm so sick of watching this team shit the bed. Brett McCarthy says, Fire DeFloppo. DeFloppo. Todd Vandermeer out of Indiana says, I'm embarrassed. 50-year fan, and this is what I get every year. Some things never change. Just like the song. Yep, some things never change. Yeah, I was thinking about making a YouTube video about all the heartbreaking losses and disappointments where you get so excited about something and down it goes, down the tubes again. Kurt back locally out of Lakeville, Minnesota. No, it's not Lakeville. It is White Bear Lake, pardon me. Todd Vandermeer says, I, I heard that. Same old shit. Yep, and totally agree there. Todd Vandermeer responds with, I give my heart to the team every year, and every year they ripped it out of my chest and stomp on it. And I agree with you, Todd. I, I feel it. I feel you totally. I feel you totally, my friend. I'm going to respond there. It's, uh, you know, it's heartbreaking, and we've been there and done that so many times. And it's, yep, Jerry Hicks out of the St. Louis area. He's originally from Minnesota, but a transplant to St. Louis. So his Rams, that was like maybe maybe a second favorite team. I don't know, but when they were there for a little while. Um, Jerry Hicks says, I was a huge Cousins fan. And, you know, maybe he hates them to death. Well, I, I shouldn't speak for him there. Jerry Hicks, and welcome back, an old, old Dribble Mafia follower. Thank you very much for jumping back on board the past few weeks here. I hope he's been listening all this time. He says, I was a huge Cousins fan and defender, but I'm even starting to have serious doubts about him. See? Me too, my friend. Me too. As you heard on this show. I know the outline is atrocious, but he doesn't seem to scan the field well when the original play call is broken down. His eyes are in one place way too long, and that is a huge problem. That's a huge problem. Again, that's what separates him from the elite quarterbacks. He has elite talent, but he doesn't have elite mental whatever. Whatever it is. He doesn't have... He just doesn't have it. Whatever it is. He doesn't have that natural, you know, go, just get her done type of approach that some of the great quarterbacks, the Montanas, the Bradys, the, the Rodgers, he doesn't have it. He just doesn't. Gerald String, Nebraska, uh, from Nebraska anyway, says, it's weird how one freak play, that was an obvious penalty, Finally broke our back, and then, yep, and then almost, wait a minute, and almost sack turns out into dagger. That's all there is to it. Can't ask defense to play much better. They are number two or number three best over the last two seasons on D. So what's up? Why can't offense get any rhythm? Well, the four essential elements were coached way, way back in the in the day is, number one, run the ball consistently, well consistently. Number two, stop the run. We were a little putrid tonight. Yeah. Number three, pressure the quarterback early and often. Get inside their head. Work for Seattle tonight. Yeah. Number four, control turnover ratio. You will be in absolutely every game. You can successfully execute and control those four areas. Copyright 1985. Scotland, South Dakota Highlanders high school football team. Smiley face. <laughs> it really worked when we could execute the plan. Still think it would work today? Yes. Yes, I do, Gerald. That That's pretty cool. So were, were you were you on that team? Were, were you on that football team in 1985, Gerald? And if you were, what, what position were you? Just out of curiosity. That's kind of cool. Thank you for sharing that. That's, uh, that's fun. And Good good takes, obviously, on that. And, well, a, a, a lot of that is, you know, a lot of football 101. You know, pressure the damn quarterback. 
And if you can run the ball, if you could constantly move the chains, if you're able to move the chains, it's game over. I mean, how did the Denver Broncos win the Super Bowl? They moved the chains. You know, it was that simple. The Denver Broncos, that's your number two team there. You should call them the donkeys. Your your donkeys there. <laughs> Eric Mustard says, Dear Sling TV, I re-upped my subscription so I could watch tonight's game. Can I get a refund? If that's not possible, can you change my billing address to 2600 Viking Circle, Egan, Minnesota, 55121. Sincerely, me. <laughs> wow, that is, uh, both of those two, you, you guys got to be stars. That is, uh, that's good. I like the way you put that together. That was uh, awesome. Uh, Ali Siddiqui says, horrible play calling. That's Horrible play calling, and how was that not a penalty for leverage? Yep, that was ridiculous. I know what you mean on that one. Changed the game. Um, yeah, I mean, that was ridiculous. The whole, yeah, let's just leave it as is. Kurt Beck says it was. The ref got it wrong. Ali Sidikai says it wasn't the main reason for the loss, but still very costly. Yep. And again, again, that's why, you know, it's okay to get mad at the calls, but again, yeah, if you say the whole loss to the refs, then, then yeah. Jesse Ball says, I don't want three more years of Cousins. Me neither. I don't want three more games of Cousins. <laughs> yep. Eric Mustard says, and can we draft slash sign some linemen instead of 20 defensive secondary each season? Oh, Eric Mustard is getting a star this is week. Yeah, man. Sebastian Barton says, fire Zimmer, fire Flip. And I put fire uh, Prefer too. Prefer's got to go. Prefer has got to go. I'm seeing some stories popping up. Is there anything new? NFL rankings, NHL rankings. Oh, come on. Come on. Fire, fire, fire. <laughs> fire, <laughs> fire, fire. That's pretty much all of us right now. We're the Beavis and Butthead of football right now. <laughs> fire, fire, fire. <laughs> fire, fire. Fire, Flippo. <laughs> His offense sucks and stuff. <sighs> His offense sucks and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it does suck and stuff. Mark Carlson says three quarters. <laughs> three quarters, and a defense was holding. Yes, it was. The offense just could not finish. Oh, there we were. Oh, there were a few missed calls, but you can't let it rest on the refs. Amen. If we can't kick a bleeping field goal, what are we supposed to do? We can't. Convert on fourth down either. Why send Murray up the middle? Yeah, because it wasn't working. And how many drop balls? I hope next year we just play noon games. Yes, I hate these night games. I hate them. I hate them. Even though they're entertaining, I hate them. Let's save the night games for the Rams, the Saints, and you know we can sit down and kick back and watch those. I like nooners. I love nooners. They're 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 chill and they're fun and and you, and you got all this energy because the sun's right up in the top of the sky and. And then you got the whole afternoon after that, and you can listen to the commentary, and then come home chill. You know, I can record the show, and you can listen to it in the in the Monday morning or Sunday night, whatever it is. That's man, I love nooners. I I do. Let's continue. Ah, uh, where was he? Hot balls. Play noon. Yep, yep. I hope next year we just play noon games. I still think we have the night game jinx. Yeah, we do. Except for, did we win? Yeah, the Packer game. Oh, goody. But they suck, and they quit. Skull Purple Mafia Nation, Mark from Iowa, and he's got to be a star candidate. Leland Albertson, also from Iowa, says, with, with talent we have, there's no reason for this display of total crap games. What the hell just happened? Oh, okay, because there's a response. Uh, there was a hookup on offense seven games ago, and I thought it's going to get better. Problem is, it's gotten worse every game to a point. I'm thinking it can't get worse than last week. Lo and behold, it 
did get worse. Technically not a shutout, but it was garbage points. And it pretty much, yeah, to me it's a shutout. Yep. Like, a, like I've been saying to Pad Cousin stats, he is not a leader. When it's crunch time, his play really shows through. And drum roll, it's garbage. Don't try and tell me O-line. Don't say receiver's not open. He don't see shit downfield. If the play breaks apart, you know what's next. Strip sack or interception every effing time. Because he is not a leader or game breaker. Offensive coordinator is over his head. Another piss poor management decision. He wasn't ready for a promotion. He was handed keys to a Cadillac, but wrecked it, leaving the lot. Man, that is star. That's got star written all over Lingland. That was awesome. Let it. Let your voice be heard. Let your voice be heard. Let these are just my opinions, but I see them dropping all of the next games. Maybe beat Chicago last game because they will wrap up the North next week. There's that too. Uh, don't be surprised if you see uh, Daniel out there as a the quarterback. So we'll see. Um, Shelby Lund, welcome aboard. I think she's posted on here before. Maybe I don't remember. Shelby Lund. Oh come on, there we go. It started moving the wrong way. Leland, though, that's a star written all over it there. Coaching staff has lost this team. Also, Cousins is just bad. I will admit he is pressured a lot, but good quarterbacks find a way around it by throwing quick passes to slow the rush. Like Tom Brady, yep, and those little quick steps forward. You know, it's like, oh, he's a statue. Yeah, but he knows what he's doing. He he can get away. Um, find a way throwing quick passes to the rush, make him pay. Brady, up yep, Brady and Rogers do it all the time. I say let Zimmer go and get McCarthy. Interesting. <laughs> Shore up O line with draft. Write out Cousins' contract. He will probably be serviceable with an offensive coach, but keep eye on draft for future of team. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with uh, taking a developmental quarterback. I mean, Aaron Rodgers rotted under Favre for a long time. He rotted under Favre for like four years. So, you know what I mean. Kirk Cousins, I don't want him here when he's 38 years old. <laughs> Can you imagine what he's going to be like then? Uh, let's try not to imagine that. He might be out of the league then, just because, for whatever reason, maybe he'll price his way out of the league, There's that type of thing. Dave Vicky says the blocked field goal was a penalty. Yes, yeah, because, I mean, he stepped over. That was BS. I agree with you, Dave. That was BS. Um, then they take possession, and on another third down, Wilson breaks out for about 60 yards, and they're a clear hold on that play also. Yeah, there was a hold. We get absolutely no calls, straight-up bullshit. Tony Coleman says, This game was terrible and boring. I literally fell asleep for much of the third quarter. Bad calls, stupid mistakes. The Vikings have never played night games ever again. <laughs> Eric Mustard wraps it up saying, Yep, with a uh, uh, gif saying, Uh-huh, kind of like a sad face, like, Uh-huh. Looks like a, the character looks like a bard or something, like a music uh, a musician from back in the day. Yep, obviously from a movie there. Good thoughts. Good thoughts there. Um, awesome, guys. That was... Uh, oh, one more thing. Let's see. Was there any comments? No. Just to share the whole... I posted that uh, article from ReviewJournal.com. In this case, kicking adjustments makes a difference for Raiders. Daniel Carlson. And there you go. Oh, Kirk Back is posting it through. They fired him. So it must have just happened. It must have just happened. Okay. Kurt Back is messaging me. Is it for real? Is it for... So amazing timing. So, and again, it's not surprising. Um, it must be popping out right now. See, I had a feeling it would pop out. I had a feeling it would pop out. Where is it? Uh, that's, uh, Minnesota Fires offensive coordinator John Filippo. Okay, there it is. Yep. 11.02. It is 11.08. So it just popped out. The Minnesota Vikings have fired John Filippo. Breaking news here on Triple Mafia, though. By the time you're listening to this, 
it's yeah unless you're listening right away and you didn't catch the news but uh John Filippo has been canned so more to the story coming up who is the offensive coordinator probably Stefanski unless the Vikings are going to do a uh unless the Vikings are going to do a what do they call him <laughs> they're going to do a Jim Caldwell they're going to do a Baltimore Ravens and hire Jim Caldwell and uh, there it is I'm posting it right now on Purple Mafia so Unfortunately, I won't be able to get to your takes on this one, but I'll let it bleed out. You guys will probably be a lot of posts on this one. Good good job, Kurt, for posting that because uh, for nailing me there. <laughs> Amazing timing, my friend. Amazing timing. As I'm wrapping up the show. Yep. <laughs> okay, well, we can all feel better about that. Now who's going to be the guy? Um, interesting. Amazing timing. Um, Filippo is flipped. So it's too bad, but... Oh, come on. Did it not post? I hate... I hate it. I hate these applications. You know, just post it, please. And it didn't work. Son of a biscuit. (sighs) Well, I'm going to have to fix that and repost it. But uh, it is what it is. Right as I'm uploading the show, I'll repost it. (laughs) Jeez. Well, good timing. Thank you, Kurt. You get a star for that. You get a bronze star automatically for that. Bronze star automatic. Let's pass out the awards. Gold star for this episode. Leland. Gold star. Gold star for Leland. Yes. (laughs) Um, Eric Mostard and Gerald String. Silver. And Mark Carlson and Kurt Back will get the bronze. Um... I think, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they'll get the bronze for that show. Dave Hickey, obviously, awesome posts all the time. Brett McCarthy, awesome. You guys get stars so many. You've got so many stars in your trophy case, you don't know where to put them. So it's okay, one way or another. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Leland gets the gold star. That was freaking awesome. I mean, that guy stole the show there. And you know what? Every one of you, the passion, you know, and Todd Vandermeer deserves a bronze star too. The passion you guys give on this show and the passion you show there, this is why I want to win a Super Bowl so bad. As much as I want the Super Bowl for myself, as much as I love the whole... Just, I mean, I, I get emotional at even imagining this team winning a Super Bowl. I, I get tears in my eyes. And, you know, it would be so emotional because of all of, for all of you, those of you guys that have shared those NFC Championship losses and some of you that have even that go far enough to have shared the Super Bowl losses. Even if it's just one of them, the 76th one, it's heartbreaking, disappointing, and lame as that game was the way the Raiders ran all over the Vikings, literally. Um, with John Madden, <laughs> John Madden got the Super Bowl with the Raiders. But um, that's where the emotion comes out, is when you guys can, uh, if, all of you, all of us, just the emotion on that show, that'll probably be a three-hour show. I mean, I might have to stop and come back doing that, maybe four-hour show, who knows? The fan interaction is just going to be unbelievable. I might even go live. But, I mean, the reason why it might be long is because I am going to beg. I'm not going to ask. I'm going to beg every one of you that has followed this team and loved this team so much to please send an audio submission if and when that day ever comes. But John D. Filippo has been fired. I'm guessing it's Ed Stefanski. But will the Vikings bring in John uh, Jim Caldwell? Unless he's already, like, got a different job. But, uh, well, it is what it is. With that said, um, we'll let that come out. And i got to repost it because it's so unfrickin' reliable. I hate it. So, you have it posted, and then it doesn't post. It's just unbelievable. Technology sucks. As much as good as it is, it sucks. It's unreliable most of the time. With that, I'm going to finally shut up and wish all of you a wonderful week. And, uh, well, happy happy new offensive coordinator, and go Vikings over the Dolphins. I did predict that they probably would fire him, and they did. You're going to see a sugar high against the Dolphins. Minnesota beats the Dolphins 21 
to 17, 21 to 14. God bless. We'll talk to you next week.